Uh, hello, everyone. I'm Mark Shanton. I'm a theatre critic for The Stage um, and other online publications, and I'm here to introduce you to Adam Pedford, uh, director of the new production of Alan Akebourne's A Small Family Business that has been revived on this same Olivier stage where it originally premiered in 1987. Uh, before we turn to the production itself, with which you're making your solo national debut, I, am. Uh, I wanted to start by sort of talking about where you've come from, because obviously this is your first main house sta staging here at the National. Mm. Um, you didn't start out as a, as a director, did you? You trained as an actor. No, I went, I went to drama school and, tra and, and trained as an actor for three years, or I thought I was going to train as an actor. Um, I sort of fell into it, really. I applied to one drama school on a whim. Um, I was lucky enough to get a place at LIPA, Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts. Um, and I got there, and within the first few weeks of having to stand up in front of my classmates and act, I just thought, I don't like people looking at me and judging me. This is awful. Which they're um, not doing tonight. I which you're yeah. <laughs> well, um, and I sort of, I realised very quickly it wasn't for me, and did think, oh, I'm going to have to drop out, this is going to be awful, my parents are going to be devastated. Um, but very quickly realised that actually I preferred directing. So I, I completed the course as an actor, Right. but knowing for a good two and a half years of it that I would go on to be a director when I graduated. A and Lipper obviously encouraged that ambition, did they? Because I mean, you, did you, you start to direct there? Yeah. I mean, Lipper's fantastic for that. They, really they, they realised that the more skills you have in this very competitive industry, um, the, m the more you will work. And there's a tradition of people from the acting course at Lipper becoming directors. Not least Jamie Lloyd. <laughs> Jamie Lloyd. Who's, who's, yeah, who's just a, a contemporary small director, exactly. <laughs> it's a, it's a small director, very quiet career. Um, yeah, uh, Jamie was the year below me. Right. There is no directing course at Lipper. The directors only ever come from the acting course. So you, you actually always direct your peers, basically? Yeah, in, in yeah. What, what happens is in, they encourage you to do work outside of the curriculum. And then by the time you hit the third year, if they think you can handle it, they'll give you a, a third-year show with your contemporaries. Right. What, what was your third-year show? What I did the Winslow show? Boy. The Rattigan? Yeah, right, Terence right. Rattigan play, the yeah. Winslow Boy. I loved it. Right. And did you do anything else when uh, uh, directing at Lipper? I did Equus. Um, and then I used to direct quite a few sort of cabarets, musical theatre cabarets, right. which is another love. When, when uh, Ruf, Rufus Norris was, was being interviewed here when he took over the National, um, he sort of he was asked the question whether, because he also was an actor turned director, and he was asked the question by a, a member of the, of the press um, whether or not it, he, he th people, directors should have acted first. And he said it's absolutely essential. Mm -hmm. um, do you think directors should, should have been actors? I don't think it's essential, uh, only because I'm very aware that my boss here didn't do acting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that'd be a bit worrying. Um, but I think it's incredibly useful because you, you have a common language and a vocabulary and you know how to get the most out of actors. Right. Uh, but I mean, there's two schools, aren't there? There's, there's directors who trained at a drama school and there's directors who went and read English literature. Usually at Cambridge. Usually at Oxbridge, exactly, yeah. And um, they're the two schools, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, Rufus is the first uh, non-Cambridge non non artistic director of the National since, yeah. it, since Olivier. Yeah. So, and of course, Olivier was an actor turned director. Yeah. Well, well, that's incredibly exciting to have Rufus. It's yeah. exciting times at the National Theatre. Obviously, Nick's done an amazing job, but yeah. I think it's a really clever and uh, provocative choice, really. So what brought you from Lipper to the National? I mean, that's been, uh, 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 it wasn't, you didn't leave Lipper and come straight here. <laughs> no. no, I started assisting for no money on the fringe. 
Um, I directed a show at the Fimbra Theatre. Um, and then, I, you, then you graduate slowly to assisting work that pays a little bit of money um, at the Almeida, at the Watermill. Um, you also directed or assisted on a musical called Imagine This at yes, the New I did. London Theatre. Yeah, London yeah, Theater. I did assist on Imagine <laughs> This. Yes. It was a very fast flop, wasn't it? It was a massive flop. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, Tim Sheeda directed that. Yeah. You know, it wasn't as bad as everybody made out, I don't think. <laughs> but uh, as an, uh, the great thing as an assistant is you have no responsibility for that. So you, you're just there to help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then I did the National Theatre um, Studio Directors course. Yes, in, in the 2009, so not very long ago. Not long ago. Um, and that's what, how does that one work? Because I, I don't actually know the course. It's based at the studio. It's based at the National Theatre Studio. Uh, they invite 10 or 12 emerging directors to do, it's usually three weeks. Um, they bring external directors in who do uh, workshops, um, you know, whether it be a Q, uh, so when we did it, we had a question and answer session with Michael Grandage and um, Erica Wyman um, and Katie Mitchell came in and did a very practical approach to text course for two days. Um, and other people, they do, we do a bit of producing, a bit of lighting, a bit of sound, a bit yeah. of, you know, everything. Um, and you've got to have some credentials to apply for it already. Yeah, they, they invite you onto it. So it usually means that they've probably seen a show of yours, usually at the, on the fringe. Yeah. Um, and you have a few assisting credits under your belt. So is that the, is that the, the, the course that brought you into the National? Yeah. So, so, so following that, they, they, so from that they have a pool of young directors. Um, and I was asked to come in and uh, interview for Marianne Elliott, who was directing a season's greeting. Um, at the Littleton. At the Littleton, another eight-born play. Yeah. Um, and I was her staff director on that, which I think was 2010. Yes, right. So, and of course, another Alan Akeborn play, which leads us, which will bring us further to this one. Mm. But to working on Seasons Greetings, was that the first Akeborn play you had done? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was, yeah. And was, was I mean, Marion Elliott, of course, is, you know, is a resident director, uh, not resident, she's a uh, associate director here yeah. at the National and has produced some of its biggest hits, including War Horse. Mm -hmm. So working with her was a, was, was a great way to start here. Yeah, I mean, she's, uh, Marianne's just amazing. She's yeah. so good at what she does. And, uh, she's, and it seems so easy when you watch her do it. It's a very simple process, and, and it's just very gradual, and there's no, there's no tension in the room with right. Marianne. And then suddenly you get to the final week of rehearsals, and there's a whole production there. Right. You don't quite know how she's done it. Sort of seamless. Yes, it, <laughs> yeah. is, it is. That's how she works. She's, she's, that's what she's like as a person, and therefore that's what her rehearsal room's like as well. And presumably, having assisted on lots of people, you've seen everybody, everybody has a different approach, don't they? Yeah. 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 And presumably you now have your own resident director or assistant director on this. Yeah, I do, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 I do. Yeah. So that must, have been quite, must be quite a, uh, a mind-blowing thing. To in four years, to have gone from assisting Marianne to having an assistant yourself. I suppose so. Um, I mean, I've got, I've got two at the moment, because I have... Uh, <laughs> showing off. Um, <laughs> I've got um, one on this, yes. um, and one on One Man, Two Governors, the UK tour, which we're also rehearsing yeah, at the you moment. You just started rehearsals now? Yeah, now, I started week. yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So it, you, you, you're never short of work at the moment, suddenly, mm -hmm. which, is, which is great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and One Man, Two Governors, was, was that your next assistant directing? Uh, you, became, you moved from assistant directing on uh, Season's Greetings to resident director on One yeah. Man, Two Governors, yeah. which well, is a very different role. Well, only because it was a 
such a success. Ah, so you started off as the assistant. Yeah, yeah, very much so. You know, one Man, Two Governors was meant to be a kind of three or four month run in the Littleton over the summer, right. um, where they traditionally will program some kind of comedy over the summer months because the numbers, the audience numbers drop a little right. as everyone goes on holiday. So they put a comedy on to try and bring more people in yeah. or tempt the tourists in as well. Yeah. And, um, and that summer they thought, someone suggested, why don't we do a Servant of Two Masters? The Goldoni play. The Goldoni play. Um, and Nick said, Nick Heitner went, well, there's probably a slightly funnier version of this. Let's get Richard Bean in to write a, a new adaptation yeah. and we'll get James Corden to play the lead role. And it was meant to be a three or four month run. Right. And we, we, you know, we had no idea it would then turn into this. This, this show that had huge legs. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and it's almost three years ago that we started it and now we're just about to put it out on the road again for the longest ever tour that the National Theatre has done. And meanwhile, you've also uh, you put in the Broadway production and the West End when it transferred from the Littleton to the Haymarket. Yeah, yeah, we, we opened it over in, on Broadway at the same time putting a new cast at the Haymarket in the West End. And it's been your job to do all of, all of these productions? Yeah. While Nick, Nick Heitner comes in to top and tail it? Yeah, he's basically. slightly busy, Nick. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah slightly busy. So, um, yeah, he, he will come in, um, he'll pop into rehearsal and then he'll usually turn up at the first preview and give yeah. me loads of notes, yeah. which is brilliant. Um, but yeah, I kind of just get on with it, really. So uh, th th those are the two shows you've done here. That's, that's you, you mentioned to me off stage that you were originally, before One Man Two Guns, were you actually going to work on London Road. Yeah. W so how did that switch occur? Yeah, I was due to be the assistant to Rufus Norris on London Road, which I was incredibly excited about. And then Nick said, he called me into his office and said, you know, I'm thinking of taking you off London Road and putting you on One Man Two Governors. And I, at the time, off the record, I don't think he's in. Um, <laughs> I sort of thought, oh, some dusty old Commedia dell'arte play. I'd yeah. rather be doing some, you know, radical, radical new work of art. Um, anyway, as it transpired, it turned into this, you know, great show. And I would, you know, well, I wouldn't be sat on this lovely sofa if it wasn't for that. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, London Road also turned into a great show, so, which is they're filming as we speak. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, it was a uh, tremendous uh, production. So, I mean, that's the thing, great thing. I mean, you, the, to come into the National Theatre of all places is a great training ground for, has been a great training ground for you. Yeah. Uh, but it's also a lucky break, isn't it? It's, you did the director's, the director's course at yeah. the studio and then got this lucky break. I mean, other, yeah. other directors are floating around the fringe for years, aren't they? Well, absolutely. I'm incredibly lucky. Um, I mean, there is no precise route as a theatre director. Yeah. If there's one thing that's true about it as a profession, then it's that, because if you ask any director how they got to where they are, it's never going to, the two stories won't match. Right. So, yeah, but, I, mean, I, had to, I got interviewed yesterday and they said, what was your lucky break? And actually, it's very hard to pinpoint one because it's a series of breaks. And, yes. and if without one step, it wouldn't have led to the other. So, you know, the NT studio course, then working with Marianne on Season's Greetings and then Nick bringing me onto one man, you know, it all led to this. So. Right, so being asked to do your own show on the biggest stage of the National <laughs> Theatre, of a play that the author himself directed first time around, were you not intimidated as hell? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> it was, it was when Nick, I was in New York when Nick sent me an email going, do you know this play? Weirdly, I'd, I'd taken three plays to read in New York with a mind to thinking what, uh, what would I like to direct next, and one of them was a small family business. So when Nick called me in New York, next to me on the bedside table was this play, and I hadn't read it at that point. Right. Um, and, and at first it was actually meant to be in the Littleton. Right. Um, 
Already that was intimidating enough, the first London revival of this big eight-born play for 27 years. It's the first one it's ever had, yeah. And, yeah. and it's had a few regional productions, but not very many. No, yeah. Well, you, you it's a slightly large set. Yes. So not every theatre has the resources or the space to, uh, to accommodate it. And you can't do it without this set. Right. It's so precisely written. Um, so, yeah, so, um, yeah, so it was meant to be in the Littleton. And then for various programming reasons, it suddenly moved over to, to the Olivier. <laughs> right. And the hardest part of it all, I would have thought, would be the casting of it. Mm. Um, because, of course, again, you know, you're following in Eightbourne's footsteps, but worse than that, is <laughs> even worse than that, is Nigel Lindsay having to follow in uh, Michael Gambon's footsteps. <laughs> yes. I mean, you are, I'm assuming, too young to have seen the Michael Gambon production. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm afraid I'm not. Um, I did see it, and, and he, 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 he made... He, it's sort of it's one of the many... Th that season was incredible. I mean, he did that, and he also did A View from a Bridge, mm. the uh, Arthur Miller play, mm. uh, in which he's kind of true cr uh, classical credentials were true, were established. That play, coincidentally, just revived at the Young Vic. Have you seen the Young Vic? Yes, I saw it on Saturday. It's an amazing an production. An amazing production. Yeah. So there's Michael Gambon, you know, who became, the, I mean, already done six Eightbourne plays. He's had a lot of experience in Eightbourne, but he did this amazing uh, uh, performance in this play. Yeah. Then to get, to get somebody to follow into those footsteps, even harder. Yeah. How did Nigel Lindsay come up? Well, we, what happens is you sit down with the casting director and you, you draw up a list of potentials, and Nigel was at the top of the list, and he ummed and ahed for a while. Um, he wasn't, I don't think his mum's, I don't think he's sat at the back, I bet he is. He's um, somewhere in the theatre, isn't he? Yeah, he's he'll be, be listening in, in his dressing time. room. Yes. Um, and he, um, yeah, he ummed and ahed for a while. He'd done quite a lot of theatre last year and was sort of going, do I want to, you know, book myself up for a long run yeah. of a play again, which means you're not available to do television or film or whatever comes up. Yeah. And um, in the end, realised that it was just an amazing role. Yeah. And, and he couldn't turn it down. I'm so pleased he did, because I don't know who else would have done it, because he's amazing. He's so good at it. I mean, just as I can vaguely see you, how many of you have seen the play here tonight? Okay. Oh, a few of you. Yeah. Right, good. Um, and, and some of you are coming tonight, I assume? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, good. Um, yeah, it, and, then, and then, of course, there's also, it's, it's an entire family on stage, so it's a true ensemble show as well, yeah. as well as a star vehicle. Yeah. It's also an ensemble show. Yeah. So there's quite an intricate relationship of getting them all to become a family. Yeah, it's, it, it was a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. And it's a jigsaw puzzle in the casting, really. Because if, if Alan, because he's, he's so beautifully written and it's all, there's so much subtext, that you very quickly realise that if somebody has the lightest of references to the fact that they look a little bit younger than their sister or, um, you know, or that, that they're meant to be the same age but they're jealous because that person's career is more successful than their own, as soon as you don't cast that with precision the balance goes off. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a real juggling act when we were casting it to right. just build that family tree. Is yeah. I mean, is this standalone? Do they cast uh, or they in other shows as well? No, it's standalone. standalone which is easier than, Ake, than Alan himself had because he was casting four shows. Alan Ickbourne himself directed in the 1987 season. Yeah. He, was, he took a sabbatical from Scarborough, came here and he did a view from the bridge. Uh, small family business, and he did two, an two farce as well. yeah, yeah, tons of money, tons of money, um, and tis pity she's a whore. He did a, an extra one, yeah. um, so he, he he took a break from that. Has he been involved in this production at all? Yeah, I mean he's he's been so generous with his time. He, whenever I've had any question at all or concern or worry, um, he's been on the, uh, the I've emailed and he's emailed back within 
couple of hours. Um, you have to go up to Scarborough, where Alan lives, to when you direct an eight-born production, and you get invited to lunch at the house yeah. with him and his wife, Heather. Um, and it's a light lunch to chat, but there is a real sense that they're sussing you out. I don't think he'd mind me saying. Um, and you know, and particularly with me, he did say <laughs> to a, a close friend after he met me, he said, I did want to ask him whether his mother knew he was out when he turned <laughs> up at my front door. <laughs> Which is, <laughs> you know. But I think, I think I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, it worked out and he said I could direct his play. So obviously whatever that happened at that lunch, he it worked. It worked. Um, but he's, yeah, he's been great all the way along. And then he came into a run-through in the rehearsal room, in the penultimate week of rehearsals. Right. Um, that must have been intimidating. <laughs> it was. It was really intimidating uh, for me and for the cast. I mean, a lot of our cast have worked with him previously. Yes. Um, well, they've either worked with him as director or work, been in a, a, another of his plays. Yeah. Um, and, but it was still incredibly intimidating. He sat down afterwards for an hour and uh, gave his notes. But uh, anyone who's worked with Alan will know that he doesn't give notes uh, in a traditional form. He basically tells anecdotes, sort of talks yeah. for an hour, a series of anecdotes, and the actors sit there trying to suss out which anecdote is relevant to their character. <laughs> and then they go, that one's for me, right. Um, that's the way it tends to work. Because amazingly, he's still, I mean, he's, he's, he's just had a birth, a significant birthday, I think, and, mm -hmm. and he's still directing his own work in yeah. Scarborough. Yeah. Got another new play opening this year, 78 yeah. plays now and counting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's crazy. That is yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's incredibly lucid. Um, and also, of course, he, he, a few years ago, he had a, a famously had a stroke. Mm. Um, in fact, that happened when, when you guys were doing Season's Greetings. Yeah, it did, yeah. So he wasn't very involved in that production. No, no. I mean, again, he was... I know that Marianne used to email him any questions and he would always answer, but yes, you're right. He, 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 he did wasn't able to come and watch a rehearsal. Yeah. Um, and the first time he saw the production was press night of Season's Greetings. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was intimidating when he came into the rehearsal room, but it was a great opportunity yeah. to hear his thoughts. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he's directed the original productions of all of his plays, pretty much. So every director has this problem. But, but this one is has a particular problem, which is that it originated on the stage. Well, the only play of Eightborns in modern times that didn't originate in Scarborough. Yeah. So yeah. it has a completely distinctive role, a part in the Alan Eightborn repertoire. Yeah, yeah. Um, are there any other Alan Eightborn plays you would like, are hankering to? I mean, you said you had three plays on your reading list when you went to New York. What were the other two? Oh, no, I'm not telling you that. <laughs> Never give away your ideas. Okay. <laughs> no, people steal them. Um, but I will tell I, I mean, I would love to do Bedroom Fast. Right. I, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, it's classic. But it is brilliant. I was the associate director on the National Theatre's 50th anniversary production. Uh, yeah, on the stage, the one yes. that was televised. Yeah, the one that was televised. And, and, um, and Nick LaPrevo and um, Penny Wilton did. A scene from Bedroom Fast. Which you directed. Uh, with helped, helped with yes, Nick directed it. Yes. I helped. Um, and that was brilliant. And it did, it did whet my appetite to direct the production. Which, of course, was the first Acorn play to ever appear on the South Bank. Yeah. That, was, that was the first yeah. one that the yeah. National ever did. Yeah. Well, the, the other, other Acorn I'd love to do is Way Upstream. Right, the one that flooded famously the Littleton. <laughs> yeah, the one that famously <laughs> flooded the Littleton Theatre. Yeah. If you don't know it, it's a boat set on a, on a canal, isn't it? A river. Yeah. Um, yes, and Alan flooded the theatre. Yeah. 
because it was a huge, this huge tank and of water. Yes. And it, I don't know why, but every night they had problems with the tank, yeah. didn't they? So yeah, and of course, Peter, I don't think Peter Hall was around. He was off at Glyndebourne or yes, yeah. doing Aquarius or whatever he was doing at the time. So yes. yes. Uh, the National have had a great run of Akebourne's, haven't they? This is, um, he's become very much a, a, a staple here. Yeah, yeah. So, so it, why, do, why, why do you think Alan Akebourne is so enduringly popular? So difficult to answer. I think it's because... I think it's because his characters are so um, recognisable. I think that is what it is. I think the audience recognised those people as sisters, mothers, uh, people they work with, neighbours. Yeah. I think that's what it's right. He somehow manages to really get to the essence of people. And of course he writes them contempor as contemporary plays, mm. but when they get revived, by the time they get revived, I mean, relatively speaking, for instance, there are a lot of period references in yeah. the last that was revived in West End last year. Yeah. This, this play is very much rooted in the time it was written too, which mm. is the Thatcherite um, England of mm. the 80s. Mm. Um, and yet it does have a sort of timeless quality too, because that, that culture of greed, greed is good, is sort of something that, that we live in today. Yeah, I mean, it's still as relevant today as 87, I would, yeah. I would say. We, we did discuss updating it. Mm. Um, it was a very early discussion Nick and I had, and we had it with Alan. Um, but we kind of thought, well, one, if you update anything, you have to suddenly deal with, well, that means everybody's suddenly got mobile phones, and therefore, yeah. you know, there's a whole sequence in Act Two where people drive around in a Porsche house to house. Yes. You know, and actually... They wouldn't need to do that. They wouldn't need to do it. You could have a conference call. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> well, quite. I mean, Harold Pinter's betrayal couldn't happen anymore today because they, yeah. they, they, they wouldn't have been going to collect a, a letter at, a, oh, is that like? at an American Express office. Yeah. They would be sending each other texts or, yeah. or, 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 or emails. Yeah. 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 So, and so we, we quickly went, well, the plot will unravel if we update it to 2014. But beyond that, audiences are you know, incredibly intelligent and perceptive, and they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll, it doesn't need to be set now for them to sort of key in with what is still relevant. It's also an incredibly influential play. I mean, the, the, in the programme, which some of you will be buying tonight, hopefully, uh, Mark Ravenhill uh, writes a, writes a programme note. Uh, it, it, it was a very important play for him. He saw it, he saw it the first production. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the things he says, he says, I think it is one of the most intensely political plays of the period. Uh, I mean, Iqbal's not known as a political writer, is he? And yet, no. this, uh, something like Mark to say that is quite, quite significant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's why it's on many people's top ten, isn't it? Well, yes, yeah, so, uh, famously, on my, my colleague Michael Billington, The Guardian, called it one of the, 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 the top ten plays of the last century, um, I mean, which is kind of extraordinary. And, yeah. and he wrote that article in 1997, uh, and he said, it offers a devastating assault on the way the entrepreneurial values we were taught to admire in the 80s led to ultim ultimately to fraud, theft, self-deceit, even homicide. It is the modern equivalent of an inspector calls, only being Aborn far funnier. Yeah, and it's it's, it's yeah. quite an accolade, isn't yeah. it? That was no pressure on press night when <laughs> Michael was in. Was uh, yes, was there sitting on the centre <laughs> across the road from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a, a lot of uh, other playwrights um, are, are, are sort of you can feel the, the the influence of a lot of other playwrights here as mm. well. I mean Ben Johnson in particular, mm. the, the sort of London plays that uh, that he wrote. Mm. Um, do do you find this quite a sort of classically structured play? Yes, I think it is, isn't it? I mean, uh, Alan. Uh, his plotting is exemplary, yeah. you know, it is so precise and it is only, and the, it's so, the mechanics are perfected and actually 
The hope is that the audiences don't really think about that when they're watching the plot unravel and they're going on the journey with the characters and they're being carried away with the story. But you do realize it when you're unpicking it in a rehearsal room, yeah. just how well crafted and plotted it is. And yeah, I mean, it does remind you of, it is interesting, you're working on something like One Man, Two Governors, which is obviously based on A Servant of Two Masters, you realize how carefully plotted that is. Yeah. Um, and there are a definite, Kindred spirits. Yeah, they yeah, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Does, does it then, in a sense, direct itself if, if from the stage directions or, or not? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not at all. This, you could get bogged down in this play just talking about light switches and doors. Right. Uh, trying to chart whether a door has to be left open or shut or whether a light switch is switched on and off and when. Is yeah. it th those mechanics, those technicalities, you could get bogged down in those forever. And, you know, it's very easy to get bogged down in those, actually. Yeah, it's what you, s you said to me off, off stage about One Man, Two Governors, the, the challenge of directing the, the dinner parties, uh, the, the, dinner, the dinner sequence. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, you said, took a huge chunk of rehearsal time. Yeah, I mean, we estimate that it was over 30% of rehearsals were spent on that one 20-minute scene out of a two-and-a-half-hour show. Uh, particularly because Archie has to keep falling down the Because <laughs> he keeps falling down the steps. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, and uh, it's that's when you tip into farce. It's like the beginning of this play. The first seven minutes are farce. Yeah. Then it settles into a very different play. Yeah, we won't give those seven minutes away for those who have not seen it yet. No. Um, and the last, last comment was, mm. I just was amazed by, uh, on your Twitter feed where you said that on the first preview of this, you also exchanged and completed on your property, your, your first property, <laughs> yes. the same day. Yes. The two most stressful things you can do in your Yeah, career. we exchanged and completed on the, the first preview of this play, which is just, which was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, luckily, I didn't do it. My partner dealt with it, which is brilliant. Um, <laughs> and I just got home at midnight very tired and and went, okay, we now own this place. But <laughs> it, was, it, we, it was the house that we were renting that we bought. So, right. so, it was so nothing's happened, we're just massively in debt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, thank you very much, Adam. <laughs>